by looking at how paintings, such as reading out the lease, brings added value or dimension to human rights. Reading out the lease is painted by George Francis Carlin, or Carlin, pardon my pronunciation, an English impressionist painter based in Lincoln. Anyone here from Lincoln? <laughs> no? Okay, only one. Okay, so this painting was one of his um, was one of his critically successful work, which was inspired uh, by the work of a German war painter named Herbert van Hoekomer, and the work was called The Last Master. As you can see, the painting depicts a Chelsea pensioner who was reading out a list of people wounded or died in the war to his great-granddaughter. The historical setting of the painting is during one of the many colonial battles fought during the reign of Queen Victoria. The reason why I chose this painting is, is because, mainly because of the characters in the painting. Uh, my earlier work in the human rights field has been around, has been around children's rights. Dealing with children's vulnerability in my former work made me empathize and feel connected with the girl in the painting. An interesting dilemma that I found in my work, of which I would like to share with all of you today, is that sometimes I wonder to what extent does a child need to be shielded or protected from the bitter reality of life, such as conflicts, abuse, or oppression, which is something that child rights advocate has to deal with on a day-to-day basis. Such dilemma further enhanced my interest with the dynamic interaction between the characters and the painting. The child's innocence and naivety was a stark contrast to her, to her grandfather's jaded, remorseful character. I tried to search and try to find out the reason why, for instance, the face, there's no eyeballs, it's as if the painting is half finished. And I wonder whether it is the intention of the painter to sort of give this remorseful, soulless look to the grandfather and to contrast it with the child. I mean, that's my personal interpretation to it. <coughs> yes, yes. That's, that's also um, yes, something that I come across as well. Um, we might not know whether in the end they get what they search for in the least, but to me, the painting emotes such intensity that the scene depicted in the painting is enough for us to contemplate various narration which carry themes of humanity, such as peace and reconciliation. It is also interesting that such dynamism found in the war paintings such as these is universal and relevant across time and place. We're speaking of a, of a painting, a piece of painting from the Victorian era. And we can see how similar themes are also adaptable, especially in my case, in the context of the work of human rights advocates in the contemporary times. It's still relevant. Um, despite the difference of time and place. I do come across the same sense of melancholy, loss of innocence or intergenerational intensity in my work as well, which in my view has and could be well documented and illustrated by art. It is because of this reason that the story depicted by the painting, to me, is capable of inviting and engaging people to explore humanitarian and human rights issues, such as victims of war or orphaned children. The characters and plot uh, of the painting to a certain extent parallel with contemporary dilemma in the human rights discipline. Both human rights and art deal with vulnerability, 
but of course in different ways, with the potential of complementing one another. Identify three reasons on how art brings added value and dimension to human rights. First, art has the ability to humanize vulnerability. We always think that vulnerability is something which is already a human, a human uh, factor. But if you look at human rights framework, it's centralized on identifying human rights violation, perpetrator, victim, and possible remedies for the violation. Now, such approach can be very rigorous, legal, and least, less appealing to the general public. And sometimes it can be very mechanical as well. Rationality and reason is crucial to addressing human rights issue, but it has a tendency of excluding the connection of the problems to the existing sentiments which is embedded in the cultural, social, and anthropological aspect of society. Sometimes we can be really robotic in how we handle things, but that's because we want to sort of address the concerns that we tend to exclude these human factors a lot. Secondly, painters are able to illustrate and visualize reality. Coming back to my point on how art humanizes vulnerability, more often than not, the story behind the victim's vulnerability was not told or explained in human rights discipline, or if it's told, it's mechanical, lack human appeal. Richard Rorty, a pragmatist philosopher, suggests the importance of using sympathy to appeal to the feelings of human beings in order to bring human rights causes further. In similar spirit, there is an emerging movement in the human rights discipline to gather, analyze, and document testimonies using images such as photographs or artwork created by victims through therapy or community-based activity as a point of understanding further the human rights problems or issues in society. Thirdly, paintings can be a gateway to explore and understand the historical context of human rights issues. Since this painting um, depicts the Victorian era, the small girl in the painting actually to me has been a catalyst for me to understand the condition of children during that era. Some of the issues that I come across while studying the background to the painting was how crucial are the issue of child labor in coal mines, orphan children, illiteracy, and children living in poverty during that era. As such, art become a useful tool for the human rights discipline to be informed of the state of vulnerable members of the society during or in the context of the time when the painting was made. But then, marrying the two disciplines which has its own distinctive approaches, hardcore gatekeepers and tradition can be challenging. A painter can paint for purely aesthetic reasons, but his or her work can invite political connotations or interpretations from admirers or scholars from other disciplines. I remember yesterday um, how Daniel Cave mentioned in his talk how artwork is the product of the artist. Um, so in the case of war painting, especially the ones commissioned by the state, for instance, war painting could carry political influence or propaganda.